0: We're in the book of 1 Peter this morning. We're going to be in chapter 5. Now, Peter was one of the disciples, one of the 12 disciples who had been with Jesus. And he's actually the one who, on the very first day of the church called Pentecost, he got up and threw the Holy Spirit preached a sermon. It was his very first sermon ever. His first day preaching. And as a result, 3,000 people came to faith. Well, you can imagine if suddenly you went from a church of about 120 to a church of 3,000, You've got some logistical issues to take care of. And the church began to grow and grow and grow. And then through persecution, the church began to spread. And that was the command of Jesus, that it wouldn't just stay in Jerusalem, this good news of his death and his resurrection and his life that he gives towards us. But that news began to spread. And so from Jerusalem went to Judea and Samaria and to the rest of the world, even to now it's come to us. But there was the logistical problems. You see, Peter And the other 11 apostles, they couldn't be present in every church all the time. There was no way that they could do the board meetings for every church in every city. And so what we find is as the church goes on, that the apostles begin to grow leaders. And as they go around to different places where they would plant churches, they would have to have this body of believers, but put people in charge of those places. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is the people in charge. In actuality, I want to tell you this that I should probably actually be sitting in a pew and having somebody else preach, because today is about me. Today is about pastors. I should be listening to a sermon about my job description today. That's what I should be doing, and we may just do that later on. But um, I do want to say this before we get going, that there's only one time in Scripture that the title of, of pastor is used, to say pastor, which means shepherd. It talks about shepherding and uses the verb a lot of times, but only one time does it give the title of pastor. But there are other times when it refers to pastors, it just refers to them by different names. There's other synonyms that are much more common in the New Testament. So some of those other words are elders. They would refer to the pastors as elders. A lot of times they would be older people, but it didn't just mean the oldest people in the congregation. It was people who were put into a mature um, situation of leading in the church. They were referred to as elders. As well, they're referred to as overseers, so they would oversee and administrate within the church, they would have a governing um, aspect to it, and sometimes that word overseer is often, um, in some churches translated, or, or, or translations translated as bishop, and so that's where you get that word. So I, I just want to make that clear, as I'm talking today, you'll hear, hear different words, all meaning pastor, but you're, you'll hear elders, you'll hear um, maybe overseer or bishop, things like that. But it's all referring to the, the role and the person as a pastor. So that's what would happen. They would go to these different cities and the church would grow and they would actually put pastors in place. I'm first actually going to read real quick out of Acts chapter 14. Paul has gone around and helped start churches in different cities and and he would be persecuted. And, and we have this little um, description of him returning to some of the cities where he started churches. And it says this, that... Uh, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And then it says, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so when they were first... Having pastors, Paul and the other apostles and leaders would go to those cities, and they would strengthen them. But before leaving, they would appoint, they would select elders (plural) in those churches. That's what they do, and they they would have those pastors, and they would be there to continue on the training and the leadership in that place. Likewise, in the book of Titus, which was Paul writing to uh, another um, leader. He says this, he, uh, Titus is on this little island of Crete, which is in the middle of the Mediterranean. He says in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I direct you. So to appoint pastors in every town, in every church. Um, and then he goes on and gives the uh, the qualifications of these elders, of these pastors. He says... Um, In verse six of Titus, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers are not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer. Again, that's a synonym for these pastors for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And then one more list of qualifications I'm going to give real quick. This comes from First Timothy, Chapter three. And this is all again before we get to First Peter. But this is First Timothy, Chapter three, again, giving um, kind of the qualifications for these overseers, for these pastors. It says the saying is trustworthy. keeping his children submissive for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. And so there you have a very quick snippets of what a pastor's Job qualifications were, what he was to do, and also how they came to be. They were appointed in cities. They were often appointed in plural cases. There usually wasn't a single pastor that was put over a church. Rather, it was more of a plural pastor team that would be over a church. They would appoint those uh, eldership groups. Also, you saw all the qualifications that were there. I hope I fit all those, but what we do see is that the main functions of pastors, their tasks, we're really twofold. One is to have a governing authority over the church to manage the church. That's what a shepherd does. Shepherds come in and they help to manage the flock They're, They are given a leadership over the flock. There's a pastoral authority that pastors are given over the flock as, as leaders. And secondly, along with the pastoral authority is the opportunity to teach That authority plays into that, that they go and it says that you're to teach sound doctrine. You're supposed to take what is given out of the scriptures. You're to divide the word of God rightly and to feed the flock. You're to give them the word of God and help them grow up in their faith. And so as you can imagine, when they're appointing elders in all these towns, these pastors, and as they're giving charge, they, they are given authority over flocks. They are given the uh, um, charge to preach the word of God to these flocks. You can imagine that as elders are put into the place, pastors are put into the church, uh, put into the place that there could be harm that's done by those who are pastors. We know that as people are put into powerful positions, when they're given authority, when they're given a place to speak from, that that can be easily abused. Amen is right. Amen is being said by your pastor, knowing that from a place in which you have a role in many, many lives, you could easily contort to your own desires and passions the opportunity to steer people and whole groups of people into the direction that you want to go. But that is not the job of a pastor. That is not the job of elders. That's not the job of overseers or bishops that's not the job of anybody in charge because clearly in the scriptures we find as paul said to the elders the pastors of ephesus in acts chapter 20 that you are overseers of god's flock that he bought with his own blood you see when a pastor's in charge what would i have to understand about my job as i pastor at unity church is that you're not mine as much as i am a pastor here And as much as I like to to believe that you're my flock and you're under my care, you're you're actually I don't own you. I'm caring for sheep that are not mine. They're they're Jesus Christ. He's the one who went to the cross. He earned you and bought you with his blood. And so as I have you, I cannot do anything against the authority of Jesus. But rather, I take you and I'm shepherding you and feeding you to bring you closer to Jesus. And the the point also is this. James, Jesus' brother, says this about those who are given the opportunity to teach. And remember, that's one of the main functions of a pastor is not only to govern, but also to have teaching authority. James says this about those who teach. Not many of you should become teachers, he says, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness so as i'm shepherding the flock of god what i have to understand is this this can't be about me and my ways any any pastor in charge of a church or even if you're in a sunday school and that's kind of in a way your little flock it is not about you want to teach or how you want to to sway the group in your direction because you will stand i will stand before jesus and have to give an account for everything i've taught and said and led in I will have to. This says that teachers are held to a stricter standard. Why? Because we essentially are saying, I'm speaking on behalf of Jesus by the word of God. And so I have to go and report back to Jesus. What did you say in my name? Did you preach the word? Did you twist it? Did you do it for just what you wanted? Or did you do it for what I wanted in Unity Church? And so these things I all wanted to, kind of bring out before we even got to 1 Peter. I wanted to kind of give a little background to it because First Peter then he, he, he comes and Peter then begins to speak directly at the pastors here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He starts, So I exhort the elders, the pastors among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So he says, because I'm a pastor, I'm talking to pastors. And here's what I'm going to say as a result of all of this. He says this shepherd, the flock. Of God, again, it's not Jason's flock. It wasn't Peter's flock. It wasn't anybody who he was writing to. it's God's flock. So he says, shepherd them, shepherd, the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as god would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly so we're already having some attitudes some characteristics that should be about the pastor that i need to be caring for the flock i should be shepherding you and and what does a shepherd do we have some people in this congregation that have a long history of caring for animals on the farm i look at ronald and his his cows you know, they're not sheep, but they're cows. He's, he's taking care of them. And you watch the way that he cares for them. Sometimes he has to leave the tire business and go care for the animal. And you hear about it, and he's, he's growing them to be healthy and big and, and, and for the purpose. And then we've got some, some, some junior members of our church that are having some incredible success growing pigs and goats and caring for them. And, and it's interesting to watch the way that they do it because as a, 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 a what do you call yourself, a goat herder? Pig herder, I don't know what the proper term for that. A handler is, I think, what they kind of use at the shows. But they're having to sometimes wrestle those goats into where they want them to go. And this isn't something they just do at the shows. It's on a daily basis. They're working with this animal, and and, and they begin to, uh, to really love and care for the animal. And sometimes, in order to properly train them, they have to be a little forceful. That's because you, as a trainer of the animals, you're kind of that shepherd You have that authority. You've been given the authority to care for, to have dominion over, to rule over. And that's not something you just take on on yourself because you want to do it. It's 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 actually something that God's given you to do. And you're caring for something of his. That's his goat. That's his sheep. That's his bull. And so you're caring for it. But sometimes it takes some things to make it difficult. So so some of your properties I've been to and you've got farm animals and for me, I wouldn't know how to care. for. I'd probably be like my dog, put a little leash on it. You know, that's what I would do. But for you, you've done something where you've put something that will actually harm them really quick. You step up to that fence and you don't just got a fence. What do you got? Electric fence. Somebody told me when I was first coming out in Canada, uh, uh, they said, don't pee on it. That'll shock you good. You know it. And guess what? Your animals learn to know it too. It's just instantaneous. It's just, you see, because it's not meant to really harm the animal. The opportunity to contain them and to show them the healthy place that they need to be contained and be is for their good. So they can be right where they need to be to get the right food and the right water and to make sure that they're in the hands and not stolen. And so we actually do things that for a moment discipline them, but to bring them into obedience. And the same is true with any role of authority. It's true for a parent. You watch your child going and doing something dangerous, putting something into that little socket in the wall. I would much rather spank their hand than them to get electrocuted. So it's that momentary thing that you do of authority and discipline that guides them in what they need to do. You do that as a parent, should be doing that as a parent all the time, even when you just say with your words, no. Okay. the same is true through any form of of leadership. And it's true pastorally. That a pastor's job is to pastor, but then again, it's not domineering. He said there clearly, you are not to, not to, he goes into verse three, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples for the flock. So the pastor kind of has this interesting role of being in charge and managing and maybe putting up things that are keeping the flock where they're supposed to be, but not in a domineering and lording way. The word that's used there for domineering is the same one that Jesus used with his disciples. They were arguing about who was the best, who would be at Jesus' right hand, all those sort of things. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You know that the world, the Gentiles, they lord over one another. And he was saying it in a way where they were prideful. They used it just to see who could get on top and be better than everybody else. And Jesus said, that's not the way I want you to lead. Now, he's talking to the 12 disciples. He says, don't, don't lord over them like the Gentiles do. Rather... Be the greatest servant. Right. That's what he said. That's that was his form of leadership. So instead of domineering and lording in a way that you're pressing other people below you, your opportunity to serve and to have authority is one where you're actually helping people to grow. Your care is for the flock and in the way that you're parenting, in the way that you're pastoring, in the way that you are given authority. It's your opportunity to actually build people up in their faith, not to smash them down. The word is also used another time in the book of Acts where there was a a, a demon possessed man who jumped on seven Jewish brothers and he subdued them. It says he dominated them and he harmed them viciously to where they were stripped naked, wounded and ran out bleeding. And that's not what a pastor should do either, is to dominate in a certain way to wound and and harm the flock of God. The whole intention is to grow people in their faith to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that the Lord's commanded. Because guess what? I got to report back to my boss. Now, I can't control everything that y'all do every single day. But man, I can let you know what Jesus wants you to do. I can help grow you. I can invest in you. I want to walk side by side with you. I want to be in the pasture with you because the, the reality is this. Not only am I a shepherd, I'm also a sheep. I'm one of you. And I know what it feels like to be cared for i also know what it's like to be dominated in a way that when somebody knows they have authority over you uses it for ill gain whether financially whether for just a power trip whether just to make themselves feel better i know what that feels like we all do and so peter is sitting the the pastors down saying look here's how to pastor you You're not doing this because you have to. He says, do this willingly. Don't kick around being like, well, I guess I'll pastor today. No, do it because the Lord's given you a privilege to take care of the flock. As well, he says, don't do this because you're you're seeking out riches. This is not a money-making opportunity, he says. So, you know, Unity Church is never going to become the televangelistic model. We're just not going to do it because I can't. I can't. He says, don't dominate people. Don't 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 think that you're better than them. Your your opportunity here isn't to put yourself in the front. Your opportunity is to serve them greater than anybody else. Put your life on the line for the sheep. That's that's what I want you to do. I know that some of the things that I've said today are 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 difficult because you hear of like a guy having authority. You know, I, I know full and well there's 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 people in this church that don't like me as the pastor all the time. I know that. And in one sense, I want to I want to ask for your patience, because here's what you got to know about pastors is that pastors are growing just like you're growing. You know, I've had to grow so much since the first day that the Lord called me into being a pastor. There's things that I'm still learning about being a pastor. Katie and I were just laughing yesterday about something I did when I was a young pastor. The very first time that I baptized people, we had seven people who, who were going to get baptized, and uh, our church didn't have a baptismal, so we had gone down to this lake. And so we were in the lake, and I was asking them the questions that we ask when people are baptized. You know, Do you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again and, uh, and was punished for your sins? Yes, and, and all those things. And so we're down in the water. Now, when we're here, what I advise the people to do is, when you're going down, I want you to plug your nose so that when you go down, your, your lungs don't fill with water. You know, you plug your own nose. Well, I didn't know that the first time. So what I did was this. When they were going down, I plugged their nose. It was so awkward. And like everybody was like, what is going on? Now, here's Katie's remembrance of this. She says that when I was asking them the questions that I was already plugging their nose. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead? Yes, I do. Now, we, we differ in our memory of that moment. But to know that I did plug their nose, there's just like weird things that you don't know what to do as a pastor. And, and I'm learning in just some of those funny ways, but just also in the relational aspects, in the leadership aspects, what's important in a church. Everybody has different ideas. A pastor better be kind of out front, but I'm still learning about some of those things. But there's also things that the flock needs to learn about pastors. That there are those things about pastoral authority and pastoral teaching. Those are the two major functions. You know, that is absent from the two major functions of pastors in the New Testament? Visitation. There's one scripture that talks about uh, when somebody's really sick that the elders come together and anoint with oil, but. In essence, all that responsibility in the New Testament was mostly upon the deacons. That doesn't mean I'm not going to come visit you. I love you. I'm going to continue on with that. And my goal is that the pastor's not the only one visiting, but we should be visiting one another. But in the pastoral authority, sometimes there's kickback. You know, we all like sheep kick back. I've had people I had one uh, moment. I was standing in the church. And uh, uh, somebody came through the back doors, come up and shook my hand. And they said, you will never challenge me. I will never take that from you or a (whistles) man. Out the door. It's a pastor's teaching authoritative job to challenge. By the word of God and by the will of God towards Jesus. That's my job. I'm not to apologize for it. I'm to do it. And that's not easy for me because I hate conflict. Now, what I've learned mostly in the people that resist against that is that that resistance against pastoral authority generally is not just against Jason Hudson. It usually is also against Jesus. Those are usually the people that are keeping Jesus at a distance and just set in their way and they just want to coast there until somebody hires that same pastor to come do their funeral. And so here's the thing that we see. Everybody loves Psalm 23, don't we? You see, here's the thing. You actually like when a shepherd is caring for you and has authority over you. Because I think you all would raise your hand and say, I love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And yet a lot of that passage has to do with his pastoral authority over you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what that rod and staff were for? Back in that day, they didn't have electric fences. Part of the comfort was knowing that he was going to bring you back when you were getting near the edge of death. Part of that opportunity was when you know, almost like a child with a parent, that they're going to set boundaries. And part of that was because they love you. They don't want you to die. They don't want you to go to that party and get drunk. And it even says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That was Jesus' pastoral authority to do that. And yet, how many of us really like to sit down with our enemies for a dinner? And yet, by his authority, we do that. So that's why at the moment, we, we kind of kick up against those things, but when we really get, when we're satisfied spiritually with Jesus, you know what we do? Submit to the proper authority. When we're restful there as children, you know what we do? We submit to our parents. As parishioners, when we do that, we, we submit to those who are in authority over the church. And now, as I say that, there may be some kick in saying, wait, hold on a second. This, this seems like you might be on the stage. Jason suddenly trying to do a little coup where it 's just you and the church here's actually where I 'm going with this. The pattern in the New Testament said this: that they appointed elders that in the churches there was a plural eldership, a plural pastorship you see here's here's my prayer for this church. I think we need more pastors. I don't. I don't think that means that everybody's paid staff, and we got a huge, huge thing. I, I think there needs to be more people in the pastoral title role that are qualified for that pish, uh, position, looking over for the spiritual care of this flock. A lot of that right now is is being put towards the, the deacons. In the New Testament, that's that's not really how it's played out. There there are deacons, but there's a pastoral plurality. And so that's what I'm saying. This isn't a plea to get, but it's also a plea towards this. I think there's a very good chance that there's some in this congregation that are being trained up to be put into a pastoral role. Some of you might be the next pastor of Unity Church. And that's not a declaration that I'm leaving. That's a declaration that I think the Lord is calling leaders to step up, to be in that place. I think that he may be calling some of the youth that are here. Maybe today you don't realize that you think you're going on. You're going to be some computerist. he may be calling you to ministry. There may be a day he says, I need you to be a pastor. I've got a church waiting for you. So a, a place to be. So you need to be trained up by by Jason and the elders. Now, there, there may be pastors sitting in this congregation. That's what I'm calling for. Is this continued growth. I I get so excited. You hear of churches. There are some churches that have been so intent on training up their children in the Word of God that they literally, those are the churches that provide pastors for all the churches around them. They've done their job. And just so we know that this isn't about Jason, look how he follows it up. It's said in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble he's saying that to the pastors pastors you you better be humble just just like the young guys all of you be humble because why when the chief shepherd appears you know that i absolutely refuse be called the senior pastor of unity church because i'm not that's a very american way of saying chief pastor and this very clearly said jesus is that chief pastor you know who the pastor is here jesus we currently have a plural eldership It's jesus and jason i think there should be more we'll work on that but in all things Pastors and everybody are to be humble. This isn't a power grab. This isn't a money grab. This is a kingdom growth. And it's all about Jesus. What I love about it is in that presentation of, hey, pastors, everybody be humble. The best standard, the best best picture of a humble servant leader who has authority, who does his job, is Jesus. The king of heaven who became a baby. So humble. In the way he treated lepers and women and blind people and you and me, that he would take all of us and he would raise us beyond what we could ever imagine. I never imagined myself to be a pastor. Some mornings I wish I wasn't. Man, Jesus became that baby and did all that. What's he calling you into? What's he calling me into? This passage right here, I've struggled with because he's sitting pastors down and saying, you know what? Do your job, but with the right mind and the right heart. I've called you to teach. I've called you to lead. Do it how I tell you. Not like some worldly business CEO. This isn't your flock. This is Jesus. And so the way that I'm going to close this sermon is because it's at me. I'm I'm, going to ask, uh, Danny, would you come up here for a second? I'm going to go sit in the pew next to my wife, okay. and you're going to read this, and I'm going to listen, and then you're going to close out the service, okay, because I need to hear this passage. Starting in chapter 5.
1: And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That that couldn't be any plainer than anything we than what we could ever hope to understand right there is to be humble in our service to our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think our pastor very well fits that. But I think it's a challenge for each one of us here in this congregation to take that challenge. And I'm inclined to agree with Jason. There's probably a lot of people who have, who may have, the Lord may be working with as we sit here about being pastors. We all need to be stronger in our faith in our service to our Lord Jesus Christ. So I would I would likewise you who are younger. We have a lot of younger people in here that have been to Camp Dixie and have learned about God from Camp Dixie and from their mothers and fathers. You know, younger people, you're going to have to step up. One day you may be in this very same room where Jason's in, or where it may be a deacon or a deaconess or whatever, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And that's what we've got to remember. We have got to be humble. And there's no better place for us than to be humble. And out amongst each other. It's not about what's going on in this church. It's about when we get out in the public and people can see us, I and mean, we expose ourselves <laughs> to the people who's our homeliness from one another. We like to take from somebody else that's done us wrong. That's that's our that's in our inclination, in our being. But that's not what God asks us to be. God says, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. You don't have to take care of it. I'll if you'll take it to me. have a solid reputation.